Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. We're a church family in North Carolina with a vision for people to experience the grace of Jesus, be filled with the Father's love, and to release the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's this week's message from Chapel Hill. We went to Asheville and we met this homeless man who was deaf in his right ear. And Jesus opened his ear, and he was healed right there. So I was sharing these testimonies just in the course of talking about things. And, and after the class, her um, husband came to me and goes, well, could you pray for my wife's ear? Because as a part of the abuse that she suffered, her left eardrum was ruptured, and she hasn't been able to hear for years at anything. And so what you saw there was we prayed a simple prayer, and Jesus opened her ear, and she was healed. And, you know, they were excited. And then the guy, you're going to see his testimony. Judah's preparing that. He got a lot of different videos. But um, the guy, Beckett, sorry, Beckham, who was hugging her too, he's like, well, can you pray for my eyes? Because I was born with this vision problem. Jesus healed his eyes. And then this other guy stepped forward and they said, well, will you pray for him? Because he, does, he, he has a speech impediment and he feels called to preach the gospel. It's been a kind of a problem. Jesus healed him. He began to, to just speak fluently. right there, And it, it just kept going about five more people we prayed for. And every single one was healed. I had the flu. I felt terrible. From the time we got there, I mean, it, it hit me on the plane. I was coughing and all this stuff. I felt terrible. I didn't even want to really go and minister. And if you, if you hear my voice on the video praying for her, it's just kind of like, all right, well, what do you want the Lord to do for you? I mean, I just felt so weak in my body. But how you know, this isn't about me. It's not even about how you feel in your body. It's about the miracle working power of Christ. Because every miracle carries a message. What message was in this Let's just take the healing of this deaf ear for Nazgul. Number one, forgiveness can open your ability to hear. One of the other messages that I personally learned in praying for the sick is what you don't see on the video is we took time as a team. It was just a small class of about 11 people, um, anywhere from 16 to 60, somewhere in there. We took time before we prayed and as I'm doing an interview process, how many people are familiar with the five-step model for healing? I know you are. We've been reading this book in our school of ministry. And um, so we're going through this. Like, when did this start? Was there anything going on in your life? Well, obviously there was. Okay. Then we ask this question, and this has become new for me. Is Holy Spirit, what do we need to know in this situation? Holy Spirit, what do we need to know in this situation? And then take a moment to listen. And it wasn't just me. Other people would hear things for all the people that got healed. In this situation, it was like, have you walked through forgiveness of your ex-husband for what he did to you? She had, but there was some other areas that the Holy Spirit revealed to her. So we prayed, I think, two or three different times. In this case, it was the first time that her ear popped open after we prayed for the prayer of forgiveness. 
What is the Holy Spirit saying to you in a miracle? Not just a miracle of healing, but like any kind of miracle. Anything that's the supernatural activity. You know that the only explanation is that you've got a good, good father who loves you. And he provided money for the bill that you needed to pay. He provided salvation for your son who was, you know, strung out on drugs. He provided every little thing. He provided a building that was trying to start a church in Chapel Hill. Guess what? You're sitting in it. If I could tell you the miracle. Now, here's the question then. Whenever our church has need of an office, what do we do? Well, God's going to provide what we need when we need it. Look out the window there. You see that foundation? It's an office built, uh, an office for that, well, it's a building that's going to have a baptismal. It's going to have other classrooms, and it's going to have an office for river life in it. Where, what is God trying to teach you in the middle of these miracles? But I think here's one of the biggest lessons that I've learned in It's not a lesson that I didn't know. It's just a reminder. Spiritually, the hungry get fed. The Beatitudes, which I like to refer to as beautiful attitudes in the kingdom. The beautiful attitudes in Matthew chapter 6 say, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will what? They'll be filled. They'll get fed. And there was so much hunger In these students, at least half of them had spent time in prison for their faith in Iran. Others of them, and some of them have been tortured while they were in prison. It's hard. I've talked to people recently who don't even know or can't even fathom that there are governments that go to such lengths to imprison and prosecute people only because they have a faith in Christ that they will put you in prison and threaten you with death. And this is the price that people have paid. As I said last week, one young man, he was able to get out of prison because he put his family property up as bail. But once he got out, he fled the border and can never go back until the Lord opens up that nation. I'm not going to say never because I believe Jesus wants to do something for him. Keenan Stadium has been closed to any Christian gathering for 50 years, including a request from the football team at various times to say, hey, can we have a worship night in our stadium? And the answer has been no until right now. Keenan Stadium is open to the gospel. Michael got a word in 2015 about this. What is the message in this miracle? In the miracle of a 50,000-seat football stadium being open to people throughout the southeast to come and see Jesus be lifted high. What is the message in this miracle? You're going to need a bigger boat. Anybody got any other messages? You're going to need more security. What else? The harvest is ripe. Can you see it? How about we serve a God of the impossible? With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. I believe we live in an epic moment in church history. And in the history of the world, 
not just our nation, but a history of the world. Did you know where they prosecute and kill Christians and imprison them in Iran? It's the fastest growing move of God in the world right now. The gospel cannot be stopped. So what about in your life? Think about the miracles that God's done and think about the miracles that you need right now. When he's done those miracles in your life, have you heard the message? I don't mean have you listened to the message. I mean, have you heard it? Remember how Mary, the mother of Jesus, when God spoke to her, she contemplated these things in her heart. Have you contemplated All these messages that God's tried to send you throughout your life, have you held them in your heart? Have you let them grow? In the wilderness, in Numbers chapter 11, the people of Israel were longing for the meat of this world. Longing to go back to Egypt. In the foreshadowing of the Old Testament, Egypt represents the world. The promised land where they're headed represents the kingdom. It represents God's spiritual realm. It represents the presence of God. But all these people, even though they had miraculously seen a body of water parted, and all millions of them walked through it on dry ground, and then when Pharaoh's army tried to come kill them, he closed the water back over them and delivered them from the Egyptian onslaught. Even though they had seen Moses, you know, um, extend his and water pour out of a rock and feed them all. I mean, you name it. They had seen pillars of fire and clouds by day. I mean, they had seen so many miraculous interventions of God. Yet at this point, about a year later, they said, you know what? Let's get some other leaders because that guy, Mo, we don't really like what he's telling us. That guy's just a little bit... Hey, you guys, you guys hear God, right? Yeah, yeah, we hear God. I tell you what, why don't you guys come and lead us? And let's go on back to Egypt because we want some meat. This manna thing is getting old. It's a miracle, but we want some meat. And how many times did they long for the things that they thought that only the world could give to them? And so... um, And so God said, say to Moses, say to the people, this is in uh, verse 18 of Numbers 11, say to the people, purify yourselves for tomorrow you'll have meat to eat. You were whining and the Lord heard when you cried. Aren't you glad that God still hears when you whine? (laughs) I'm not pointing a finger at you. I'm like, oh man, sometimes I whine like, God, what's up? What's up with people, God? Like, what's up? Like, why, why don't I have da-da-da-da-da? I mean, we want, but God still loves us. He still hears us. And he's going to give them what they're asking for. Oh, for some meat. We were better off in Egypt. Now the Lord will give you meat, and you will have to eat it. Let's skip down to verse 21. But Moses responded to the Lord, Cause Okay, so basically, let me just catch you up in, the, in between. He said, I'm going to send quail. There's going to be all these quail. There's going to be so many quail that they're going to get sick of eating this meat because there's so many quail. But Moses even questions the Lord. 
and says in verse 21, there are 600,000 foot soldiers here with me, not mentioning the women and children, their wives and children. I mean, there's millions of people there. And yet you say, I will give them meat for a whole month. Even if we butchered all our flocks and herds, would that satisfy them? Even if we caught all the fish in the sea, would that be enough? Man, we think of Moses as this great man of faith. Does that sound like faith? The Lord said to Moses, hey, Mo, has my arm lost its power? Now you will see whether or not my word comes true. Has the Lord's arm lost its strength? Has the almighty God who created the heavens and earth lost its authority in your life? Is it so small? Is our thinking so small that we think, oh, we could never get Keenan Stadium. It's just never going to happen. Or why even pray for a deaf person? Because the last 18 that I prayed for, nothing happened. Forget 18, 18,000, 180, whatever it is. Lord, when will you show yourself strong? And God's answer is now. Everybody say now. Now Now you will see whether or not my word comes true. Lord, even if we had all night prayer meetings... And we fasted and we prayed. Could you send revival? Could you get Keenan Stadium? Could you touch my grandchild? You know, whatever the case is. Now you will see whether or not my word comes true. You see, this story in Numbers, as I've already said, is like a foreshadowing also of Christ and his church. Now, we don't like to think of ourselves as part of those whiners. We don't want to see ourselves as the grumblers, those who didn't learn the lesson that Jesus is trying to teach us. Yet, as we look at his early church or his disciples, I don't know about you, but sometimes I see myself. I see myself in Peter or John or Matthew or or one of them. And so this is sort of a a foreshadowing. But it reminds me of the feeding of the the 5,000, which really was more like the feeding of at least 10,000, okay? And this is in Mark chapter 6. So if you got your Bible, click over there or flip over there. I'm in the NLT this morning. And in this chapter, just to catch you up to speed and to summarize, Jesus had gone from village to village teaching the people. And then he called his 12 disciples together and began sending them out two by two and giving them authority to cast out evil spirits. Okay, so his 12 had gone out with, through Jesus' authority. And so the disciples went out. They were telling everybody, you know, to, to change their mind, to repent of their sins, to turn to God. And it says that, that they cast out many demons in, in verse, um, what is that, 13? Yeah, and they cast out many demons and healed many sick people, anointing them with olive oil. All right, now skip down to uh, verse 30. Mark 6, verse 30. It says, The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. 
anybody who's ever done any type of ministry, you know. Like, after a mission trip, man, I need to, you need to go take some time off. I need, I need to get a rest. I need to debrief. I need to get some time with the Lord alone. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. That's pretty bad. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving. And people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. And he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came and said, This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to McDonald's. You know, they can go get their Big Mac. And, and they got to get something to eat. And Jesus turned to them and said, you feed them. You remember when Moses asked God, Lord, if we caught all the fish in the sea, how are we going to feed all these people meat? Well, here you go. With what, they asked with what? what how, how are we going to feed 10,000 people? We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. That's some really uh, spiritual thinking, isn't it? How much bread do you have, he asked. Go and find out. They came back and reported, okay, we got five loaves of bread and two fish. They're thinking, probably not enough for 10,000 people. Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Then Jesus took the five loaves, two fish, looked up toward heaven and blessed them. You know what's going to happen. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. One for each disciple. There were 12 of them. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. Next verse. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida. While he sent the people home, after telling everyone goodbye, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. I think that's hilarious. Whew, I was tired, but now I'm really tired. I've got to carry these disciples. we got to feed everybody. Now, how many know... If you ever hosted Thanksgiving, you had the big crowd, they finally went home. Now it's time for a break. So he saw, though, as he went off to pray, later that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on land. He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water, he intended to go past them, but when they saw him walking on the water, they cried out in terror, thinking he was a ghost. They were all terrified when they saw him, but Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take care, courage. I am. I am is here. Then he climbed into the boat. The wind stopped. They were totally amazed. And here's the real key verse that I want you to get. Verse 52, for they still didn't understand 
the significance of the miracles of the loaves. Their hearts were too hard to take it in. Do y'all see this? Now, what does this miracle on the lake in the storm have to do with the loaves and fishes? Doesn't seem to have a connection. Except for there was a message in that miracle. And the message was, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Is the arm of the Lord too short? Has he lost his strength? You serve a God of the impossible. He can take a few loaves and fish and feed 10,000 people, and then you get to take a doggy bag home for each one of you. What is it that you're not getting? What is it that you don't see about who I am is? He's a God that can get you Keenan Stadium for a worship gathering, for a time to pray for revival. Do you believe that an outpouring like at Asbury a year ago could fall upon those people in Keenan Stadium or fall upon a Zoom call or fall however he wants to do it? We're not going to put them in a box, but all we know is this same God. After they had crossed the lake, they landed at Gennesaret. They brought the boat to shore and climbed out. The people recognized Jesus at once. Jesus, Jesus, they go running to him. All the paparazzi's there. They're all looking for this guy. They ran throughout the whole area, carrying sick people on mats to wherever they heard he was. Wherever he went, remember, the hungry get fed. That's some hunger right there. They're like, hey, you got somebody said, come on, get, let's go. There he is. We got to get there. We got to get there. The the, the sick are going to be healed. Wherever he went in villages, cities, or the countryside, they brought the sick out to the marketplaces. They begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe. And all, everybody say all, all who touched him were healed. Remember the woman with the issue of blood in Luke chapter 8? That was first. See, she started a trend. Her story went viral. They didn't have TikTok back then. But people heard this woman bled for 13 years, and all she did was be able to touch the hem of his garment, and she was healed. What about us? What about our loved one? That's hunger. That's thirst. Because in every, mess, in every miracle, there's a message. And the message is, if God did it for Nazgul, why not for you? If God did it in Armenia, why not in Chapel Hill or Durham or Pittsburgh or Raleigh or wherever you live? Is everybody okay? In the Passion Translation, that Mark um, 6.52 it, it, it reads this way, because they failed to learn the lesson of the miracle of the loaves and their hearts were unwilling to learn the lesson. Because they failed to learn the lesson of the miracle of the loaves and their hearts were unwilling to learn the lesson. Lord, help me. Help my heart not to be unwilling. Because, see, my mind knows better. Like, I know mentally, okay, I hear you, Lord. I want to learn the lesson. But then there can be issues of my heart. 
that stand in the way. Lord, help my heart. Listen to this revelation by Dr. Brian Simmons. He says this about this passage. Or another way to say it is they didn't understand about the loaves, which is in that other translation. That is, they didn't understand the lesson that the miracle was meant to teach them. That Here's the lesson. That God has the power to deliver us no matter what the limitation. Also, the miracle was that the bread multiplied in their hands. So they likewise had the power to rebuke the stormy wind and sail through to the other side, even if Jesus were to pass them. The authority is in their hands. Remember, he had just commissioned them and sent them out. They had just done all the kingdom stuff. He wanted them to see things in a new light and know the authority that they now carried. The two lessons of the multiplied loaves were, number one, that Jesus had all power to meet every need. And number two, that the disciples carried this power with them for the bread multiplied in their hands. They were also a part of the miracle. The two great miracles of Israel were also duplicated here. The crossing of the Red Sea and the bread or manna that fell from heaven. This is so powerful. And I'm just wondering if our hearts are able to receive what the Lord's wanting to give us. It reminds me of a a statement that Jesus made in Luke chapter 8, and I'm almost done, where he said, so pay attention not to what you hear, but he's telling his disciples, pay attention to, what does it say there? How you hear. Not just pay attention to what you hear, but pay attention to how you're hearing what you hear. Because how many know there's a difference between hearing and listening? I know this as a husband. Sometimes I'm hearing my wife, but I'm not really listening. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? How about parents with your kids? Hey, before you go to bed tonight, you need to have this room cleaned up. The next morning come in, like, what's up? I thought you said, you know, it's like, And they even acknowledge, like, okay, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, or whatever, you know. Yes, they acknowledge that they heard, but they weren't really listening. So Jesus is telling them, and I think this is our human condition again. Hey, pay attention to how you hear. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what they think they understand will be taken away from them. Everybody say, ouch. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, because I want to grow. It's a use it or lose it. Like, I want to hear, I want to learn the message of the miracle and then move into greater miracles, greater kingdom authority. I don't want to just see one uh, deaf person healed. I want to see 10,000 deaf people healed. Like the apostolic evangelist Heidi Baker. You know, you've heard those stories. She'll walk into a village. People wonder, how did you plant, I don't know, like 6,000 churches? And she walk into a village that was mostly Muslim and say, or all Muslim, and say, uh, 
bring me all your deaf. They bring all the deaf people. And then she pray, Jesus opens all their deaf ears. How many know they want to hear the gospel after that? Then she begins to just share the gospel in the humble way that she does. And whole villages come to Christ. And churches are planted. And it spreads like wildfire. I think if Heidi were here, she would tell you that she's not like some special person. She's not like this chosen one by God who only she. No, God had a message in a miracle that somewhere along the way, she heard the message. She received it with her heart and she began to step into the next part. Now, I don't want you to think that this message is just about healing or just about miracles of healing. Because I believe there's a much broader application of what the Lord's trying to say to you this morning. Amen? Is Holy Spirit... What do I need to know today? What do I need to know, Holy Spirit, about you fill in the blank, about your situation? When Jesus said, pay attention to what you hear, he was using the word Shema. Does everybody know about the Shema? The Shema is a Hebrew prayer that for thousands of years the Jews prayed in the morning and at night and probably at various other times. If David Ransohoff were here, he could tell us all about the Shema. But the Shema, um, it comes from Deuteronomy 4.1, which says, And now Israel, listen, or hear, listen carefully to these decrees and regulations that I'm about to teach you. Obey them so that you may live, so you may enter and occupy the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, is giving you. For thousands of years, the Shema becomes the first word spoken. Shema is the first word of that sentence there. Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. To get more information, check out riverlifefellowship.com.